again. And so I guess it's going to start getting dark even earlier than this. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to uh, Numbers chapter 11. Uh, we'll be starting uh, in verse 26. I think we're in 14. Yeah, I think we're too. Okay. Not 15. We're we're 15. 14 and 26. I just thought my studies were right. Thing. Yeah. That is 14. Mm-hmm. It looked like an 11 to me. Okay. Well, I'm on the right page. I'm just I just can't read my me read my Bible. 14 verse what? 26. I know what I was looking at. I was looking at 1117 above it where I put the date on there where we're going to start it. <laughs> All right. Do we have any prayer requests for tonight? <coughs> yes, sir. Yeah. <coughs> just, just put my name on there, please. Well, it's already on there. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going through a gauntlet of old age diseases I guess I've been dealing with neuropathy and arthritis psoriasis four or five different things all at one time here and I'm it's aggravating it's aggravating the things that I want to do that I can't but but I'm just trying to count on the Lord somehow Straighten us out, and today I had a very serious problem that I just need prayer. Okay. Let the Lord work it out. Amen. Anyone else? Harper Hunter. Harper Hunter. She's my granddaughter. She's four. She's just not feeling well at all. She's barking like a little seal. Oh, no. Tell her to come to my house. <laughs> I'm sure I really bark. <laughs> I would like to say one thing and let everybody know, and they tell their friends too. There's thieves running around here all over the place, and a real good friend of mine, which I've only known him probably about 60 years, you know, six decades, I'd rather say. But he had his truck sitting up at the mechanic shop because it didn't want to start. Now he's trying to get his truck running, and it's sitting out there. And somebody come by and stole those little muffler-looking what, what is it? Catalytic converters. Catalytic converters. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He stole That's two a big of them. Now he's got pride. He's got to pay a whole lot of money to get them back, mm-hmm. and. So when you leave your car somewhere, you need to wonder if your catalytic converters are gonna be there. Because I've heard numerous cases since that's come up about other people who are losing them, even at their homes in the country. Mm-hmm. If you like if you leave your home for two or three days, come back in one of your vehicles, might not have a catalytic converter on. Yeah. And what he told me, and he's a construction developer. Looked like somebody got right up under there and they just pulled the trigger on them. Saws all just zzz and zzz and zzz and zzz and it's done. Yeah. And catalytic converter, what have they got that in there? Platinum? Yep. They're made out in there are high. That That's not even the bottom line really. I, I just had a muffler put on and I asked the guy how much. He said, I ain't giving you a price till I do it. They're going up every time I look to see how much they are. I said, oh, come on. He said, they're three times what they were last month. So this is our new business, new government, and everything. Just, well, I just wanted to let things get crazy. If sometimes people may run off and say, I'm just going to run my car down there. Yeah. And I'll just leave it at Walmart, and I'll run down there to eat with you. I'll get in the car with you, and we'll go. Well, you come back. Out there in Walmart, now, they don't know nobody who knows what and doing in anybody's car. I've seen people out there changing their oil <laughs> and the filters. And anyhow, I did what I, I told. Tell You're me. right. Amen. So right. beware. Anyone else? <laughs> okay, Brother Rick. 
Would you lead us in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thanks for this day you've given us, Lord. Lord, pray that you take all these prayer requests that's been mentioned and all the ones that have been unspoken, Lord. I pray that you put place your hand over it, Lord. Lord, we know there's many as unspoken that need healing. There's hardened hearts that need to be softened. Lord, I pray that you look look over Brother Gary as he gives us the words tonight and teach us in the Bible study. Lord, we'll be able to take it to heart. Lord, let us meditate on it as we go through about our day tomorrow. Lord, just keep your word true in us. Lead us and guide us as we go through our days, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, when we left uh, uh, Israel last week, we left them in a world of hurt. Uh, we left them uh, without faith. They weren't believing God anymore. Uh, they were murmuring and complaining about everything he, was, he had been doing and was doing. And Well, to put it bluntly, he wasn't doing things the way they wanted him to. And he took exception to that. And... Uh, they they began to uh, to bite and snap at everything inside, including Moses and Aaron and and all the others. And uh, God took exception to that too. And it done reached a point where He told Moses, He said, "You let me kill every one of them, and I'll make a great nation out of you. We'll start all over." And remember, Moses interceded for these people after they had talked treacherously to him, and he still interceded for them, and he reasoned with God. And he did it in an appropriate way, and God listened to him. And uh, he said, I have, I have hardened in verse 20 according to your word. But <laughs> he still said, I'm going to punish him. And uh, so remember what his punishment was? Does anybody remember? Everyone that had left out of the land of Egypt and marched oh, yeah. toward um, the promised land from 20 years and up weren't going to make it. They were going to wander in the wilderness until they were dead. And uh, he wasn't going to let them go in. And so uh, that's where kind of where we left it. We also found out from verse 22 that God had counted every time they had complained and murmured about him. Every time they had called uh, who he was into question, he was keeping count. Remember how many times he said? Ten times, and uh, that's something where <laughs> it's kind of spooky when you think about that, you know, because he ain't got that many fingers and toes to, to keep up with all mine. Uh, but it's something to, to realize that he actually does keep a, a, a record of, <laughs> and he don't forget. He don't forget nothing. Never will forget anything. And then uh, he showed mercy to my, he said, my servant Caleb, and he said, because he has a different kind of spirit with him. That, and he has followed me fully. So he has the, the Holy Spirit with him that uh, caused Caleb to believe and to follow him. And so that's where we left them. And so if somebody would uh, begin reading in verse 26, it's going to be a lengthy reading, so I know Sam ain't going to do it. Uh, verse 26 through 38, please. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, we, we read the word. I don't know. <laughs> 38. <laughs> For some reason, I got 28 stuck in my head. I'm like, wait, that ain't no lengthy reading. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so, so will surely. I will surely do to you. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your complete number from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, the son of Jehunah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a Pray, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for forty years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness, according to the number of days 
which you spied out the land forty days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even forty years, and you will know my uh, opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken, surely this I will do to all of this evil congregation who are gathered together against me in the wilderness, they shall be destroyed, and there they will die. As for the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and whom returned and made all the, uh, the congregation grumble against him by bringing out a bad report concerning the land, even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land uh, died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and came with the son of Jephunneh, remained alive out of these men who went to spy out the land. What does this tell us? What does the scripture tell us about <laughs> God's personality and, and how he looks at some things? When he tells you to do something, you need to do it. All right, when he tells you to do something, he expects you to do it. Amen? What else? Dude, there's nothing that slides by him. For every action, he's he has a reaction or he has a judgment, mm -hmm. and there's no he, you'll be held accountable. Mm -hmm. God knew those spies had lied when they first came back. What was it? Twelve of them. Ten of them lied. Two of them didn't. He knew whenever they came back that they lied about the welfare, the wealth, the shape the land was in, the people there, and everything else. And I don't, I can imagine, I, I don't know why he just didn't end it right there and say, okay, <laughs> y'all got yourself into this mess, now get yourself out of it. But, but they just flat lied about the land and the people. And the, I, I think, I don't know where the lie would be the right word. They had made up their mind they couldn't do what God told them they could do. Well, yeah, maybe. And, and they had made up their mind, we can't do that, they're too strong, yeah. we're not as strong as they are. And I think they really believed that. <laughs> could be. Could be. Well, God keeps Terry? his promises. I think, too, that um, when you um, rebel against God, you're going to get punished, but the people that cause you are stirred up first, they're going to get the worst end of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this... this the, the action of those ten men was an absolute lack of faith in the Lord. And that's that's where, what God meant in the condition that they was in, that they was going to have to face. Okay. An absolute lack of faith that the Lord could do what he said he would do. He done told them he was going to give them the land. Mm -hmm. All they had to do was go in and occupy it. Okay. And, and how did they show their lack of faith to God? How did they show it? How was it on display? What did God see that they were doing? They went in and they spread the grumbling. They mumbled and they grumbled, grumbled and, and murmured complained. and complained and griped. Did he like that? Not a bit. <laughs> and, and the reason I'm bringing this out is because I'm guilty. I'm murmuring, grip, complain, moan, groan all the time. I do. I'm your preacher. I'm standing in front of you confessing. I do that. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ that has borne this iniquity for me. Amen. That God has mercy and grace and don't just snuff me out. And, and there's a lot of churches in the area, if you ever talk to members, a lot of times instead of them telling you how great their church is, they tell you all that's wrong in their church. God help us. Murmuring, complaining. Y'all, if there's anybody that's got a reason to shout and rejoice, it's us. Amen. Amen. Listen to me. We have a, a great, awesome, wonderful God. He has provided salvation for every one of us by giving us His Son to die for us. That Son shed His blood for us so that when we confess our sins, He just forgives them. For us and cleanses us from our unrighteousness. We don't really got a lot to mumble about and murmur about. And the things that we do gripe and murmur about is that we just don't get our way about everything a lot of times. 
or we don't, we're not satisfied with the way something is going in the church. And we have to be careful when we have these attitudes that we don't express them in a way because that only tells me that we've taken our eyes off of God and put it inside the building. Okay? And we're looking at everybody and everything but God. And if we could just get our attention on Him, me included, and focus on Him, this other stuff just kind of takes away, away. They, they just come in the back of the bus yep. and, and what it means. Amen? And so, but, you know, somebody hit the nail on the head that he held these ten men really accountable because these people weren't stirred up until they spoke. So what they did is took their unbelief, their lack of faith, their lack of believing in what God could do, and they transferred it to everybody else by telling them that we can't do this. In other words, God can't do what He says. We've seen it. It's way too much for us. We can't handle it. And they basically said, and I think this is what made God so angry, they basically said, God ain't big enough to do this for us. Amen? Caleb didn't do that. He said, what's wrong with you people? God can do anything. He can take care of this for us. All we got to do is trust him, obey him, and go in there, and he's going to win this battle for us. They didn't listen to him. Amen? That's right. Sometimes it's a lot easier to go along with who's grappling than it is the one that ain't. Sometimes. Sometimes you got to swim upstream. <laughs> yeah, you do. Sometimes you do. And, and God took it as exception. He didn't, he didn't say they were murmuring against Moses, although they had already remembered. Prior to this, they wanted to choose them another captain and head back to Egypt. But God didn't look at it as a personal thing against Moses. He looked at it against a personal vendetta against who he was and himself. So we have to be very, very careful. When we begin to murmur and complain, about the church, the workings of the church, what's going on in the church, because it's an indication that we've lose, lost focus on who the head of the church is. When you do that, Brother Gary, when you gripe and moan and complain, and like I said, I'm the world's worst too. <laughs> well, when you do that, you know, like especially towards people in the church, you're not showing love. No, it, it's a, it's, you're not showing love. That's right. When Jesus said, by this all men know you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. He, he kind of did that like he did mamas and daddies when he said, honor your father and your mother. He don't tell you you've got to like them. Listen to me. He don't tell you you've got to agree with them. He don't tell you any of that stuff. He just said love them. And, and my new word that I've come to not like is forbear. We are to forbear one another. That mean, you know what that means, don't you? We've got to learn to put up with one another. Because whether we like it or not, we haven't added a soul to this church. Nor we have, have we saved a single person. Amen. God has done that himself. And who are we to say, God, you made a mistake by bringing that one here? Oh, Lord, help us. Because like you said a while ago, you know, if he would be <coughs> righteous, and he is righteous, and he's awesome, and he's sovereign, and he should have done snuffed me out a long time ago. That's right. But he has forbeared and put up with my idiotic. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. He does what he expects I'll us to do. I'll sign that contract. Most of the time, then we grab about something else. There you don't mind to hell beast. He usually don't, but we can, we can get an office knockdown drag out and <laughs> over something that really don't matter. So that's what he's trying to show us here in the scripture, I think, and the severity and the severe penalty because God knows that in that atmosphere, he can't accomplish anything with those people. Are you listening? He, you can't, he can't use you in that frame of mind. He can't use you murmuring and grumbling. He can't do that. He won't do that. He won't even try to. As a matter of fact, what he does here, he takes these people out of the equation. And we're going to find out they don't go gently and they don't go peacefully. Here in a minute. But it says, 
He's saying to them, he's, he's telling Moses to talk to these people, as I truly live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. What's he talking about? Well, if you look when they first started grumbling and mumbling in verse 2 of this very chapter, just roll the page back and look at it. And look at what they said. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Oops. You better watch what you say to God. You better watch the statements you make. You know, we've been saying this a whole lot lately. That God will listen to you, but you've got to remember who you're talking to. And he, they were insulting God and angry at God because he had brought them, he had delivered, he had set them free. And they were mad about it. They but he a bird nest on the ground and they're fixing to tear it up. Now, he, they made two statements. One of them was what? Would that he would have let us die in Egypt? Yeah. Or that he would just let us die in the wilderness. Yeah. Now why didn't he just send them back to Egypt and let them die? That's where they wanted to go back to. I know. Because he told them they wouldn't come back there. <coughs> he told them when you leave, you remember what he told them? You pack up all your stuff, you get all your stuff, and you leave out, don't look, well, you ain't coming back here. He had made that statement. He wasn't sending them back to Egypt. If they would have left and went back to Egypt, they would have never made it there. So the second one is the one he used. Just let us die in the wilderness. Okay. That's what I'll do. He said, say unto them what they have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto them. <laughs> oh, we better watch it. We better watch it when we say, okay, God, you, since this ain't working out for me, just do this to me. Look out. He might do it. He might. He can't. He, it's up to him. But in this case, he, he's mad. He's angry. Don't ever think God don't have a temper. Don't ever think God don't have wrath. But the difference between his wrath and our wrath is that his wrath is a righteous wrath. It's a justifiable wrath. And it's done because of disobedience to him, which is all sin does. And sin makes him angry. Okay? And so they have done this, and they've called everything he's done into question. Even the leadership of Moses and of Aaron, they've called all of this into question. And y'all, this started at the top. Aaron and, and uh, Miriam ain't been too long. They jumped on Moses, remember? This is something that's been brewing. And it started with things like that. And it, it, and it and it's elevated into something great that's going to get a lot of people killed now. Okay? What is the great danger in the church for this kind of stuff going on? What is the worst part of it? People falling away. All right. It, it causes a falling away of the church. It causes a falling away of the people. But it stops something, something else. What does it stop? The movement, of, the movement of the Spirit. It stops new people from getting saved there. Because once they become aware, you know, we hear have people all the time walk in the doors and say, man, we like what we feel here. You let a fight break out and everybody gets sold up and mad at one another and everybody's sitting with their back turned to one another and ain't shaking hands, ain't laughing, ain't giggling, ain't talking, they're mad. Mm -hmm. And hear what people say when they walk in. You said it yourself. Yeah. I walked in church and everybody just kind of turned around and who in the world is that? What are they doing here? They just probably want something. You ever felt that way in a church? That's what's going on in that church, by the way. Okay? There's a lot of stuff going on. So he says, I'm going to do exactly what you said, and your carcasses are going to fall in the wilderness. And that's where he's, this verse 29, where he says, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. That's what he says in verse 29. He said, you will not come into the land of promise. You will not come into the land flowing with milk and honey. You have decided you can't take it and you won't. Woo! That's some spooky words, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Now the children of Israel are hearing all this. They're listening to all this. They're knowing what's being said. 
And so it, it says, uh, uh, he said, you will not come to the land except for Caleb and Joshua. Those two are going to be there. They're going to get to go in. And then look at verse 31. He adds more people. He said, but your little ones, now look at the reason he gives, which you said would be a prey. They also said their wives would be a prey. Mm -hmm. But he speaks about the children, the little ones, the young ones. That you said if we go into that land, they'll just become a prey for these people. And what does he say about them? He said, uh, they're the ones I'm sending in. Yeah. They're the ones that are going in. These little ones that are little ones now. It's going to be 40 years, but I'm sending them in. Yeah. Yeah? I kind of like that. It, it kind of tells you how he thinks of children. Mm -hmm. Amen? It, it kind of shows you what he thinks about children. He loves children. It, it carries on in the New Testament. Jesus loved them too. Talk. It's just like our generation now. We have parents in a home that are AWOL. They can care less about the children, and they're going to do what they want to do regardless of what is going to benefit the kids or whatever. The kids are just stuck. They've got to follow the children. But here... He took that out of the equation. No, I will take the children because they are innocent in this. They are trying to follow their parents, which are not following the Lord, but they, you know, he'll take them out and bring them in. Amen. And that's the way he looks at children today. Mm -hmm. and, and, and homes where there's no godliness, nothing, he's still watching them. He's still, he still see them. Amen. So we've got parents back then where we're not faithful when we're standing up in the family. Okay. <laughs> he said, and I'm going to bring them in to this promised land, and they shall know the land which you have despised. You see that? You have despised the land I've given you. But they're going to have it. Praise the Lord for that. And then he goes back into their carcasses, and uh, Brother Don, the person said, their corpses, they're going to die and, and fall in this wilderness. And then he says, and you're going to wander for 40 years. Why does he tell them they're going to wander 40 years? Why that number? 40 days is five. Yeah. He said, I gave you 40 days to spy out this land to come back and say, okay, we got a plan, let's go get them. And you didn't do it. You despised it. You decided you couldn't do it, and I couldn't do it. So I want to, we're going to give you a, a year for every day you spied out the land, and you're going to walk in this wilderness. And that's what they did. They went in circles. Amen. Now remember, this is less than two years, and they've already they they spent almost a, they spent a year at Sinai, and so their march and their trek every time they stopped, rested, and all that, and they spent this year at Sinai, and then they spent the rest of this time, and they had been at this place where they're at right now for a while, while the Lord was trying to train them in how they were supposed to do these things. So they had been here for several months. So if they would have just left Egypt and went through the Red Sea and just came here, it would have only been a matter of a few months they would have been here. So now they've got to stay in this small area and they're going to wander 40 years. Think about that, what he's told them. But you know what's strange here? Now all of a sudden, they believe him. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we'll believe bad and we won't believe good? We'll believe we can't, but we won't believe he can. It's just crazy. And then when it comes down to punishment, we believe he can. Okay? So, and he said, and you shall know my breach of promise. What does that mean? What does the breach of promise mean? Broke your word. Broken. That means he said, I know what I told you, and I'm taking that back. Yeah. How many times you said, oh, God won't do that? He just did. He just did right there. And what caused him to do it? Disobedience. Disobedience, murmuring, disbelief, despise, anger, hatred. Lack of faith. Lack of faith. No wonder the Bible says without faith you can't please God. These people didn't do it. They did right the opposite. And now they're going to pay for it. Now you got to understand, this breach of promise is not to Israel. 
It's to this generation of people. Did you hear me? They were supposed to be the one that went in. They ain't going to do it. He didn't say nobody that Israel wasn't going in. He didn't break that promise. But it's not going to be you. Listen to me. If we go to heaven, it's going to be because of Jesus and no other reason whatsoever. You got that? It ain't going to be because you were good. It ain't going to be because you were great. It ain't going to be because you gave all your money to the poor. It ain't going to be because you prayed every day. Listen to me. It's going to be because you believed in the Son of God. And He saved you. That's the only reason. Amen? And so that, that's what He's showing them. All this other stuff is just this trivial stuff that you've argued and you thought about. Now it's like costing your lives. And he said, I, the Lord, verse 35, I will surely do it unto all this evil generation that are gathered together against me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they started off jumping on Aaron and Moses and God took exception to that. Yeah. Now you ain't talking about Aaron and Moses because they're just telling you what I told them to. So you're talking about me, yeah. not me. <laughs> Amen. And then he turned his attention, somebody mentioned this a while ago, to those ten men. Now listen to me. He ain't liking what the children of Israel, he's already pronounced judgment on them. They're going to wander until they all drop dead. But these ten, I'm thinking take them out now. Because they started this. <laughs> they're the ones that poisoned the well. In the, in yeah. The they come in with their disbelief and, and lack of faith and just contaminated everybody. You remember what Jesus wrote, said, Woe be to the one who offends the least of my children. Because it would be better for them to tie a millstone around their neck and cast themselves into the sea rather than face what I'm thinking to do to them. We see that right here. These ten men are fixing to face the punishment of God because they have started all of this. They have convinced these people of their own unbelief. Do you think there might be a correlation between the fact that there were ten of them that started the stuff, the trouble, and that there were ten times that the Israelites had tested God? It, it does seem that way, doesn't it? That there's a correlation in that these maybe these same ten people were the culprits the whole time in all of this. Or these ten tribes that they represent, because each one of them represented a certain tribe. Mm -hmm. So God knew not only how many times they had mumbled, he knew exactly who was doing it. Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm. And that's the same today. He still knows. Yeah. And so he, he says so, and the Lord which Moses sent and, and the and the men which Moses sent to search the land, this verse 36, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against me. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> they spearheaded an effort to turn my people against me. Mm -hmm. Oh my Lord, help us. <laughs> mm. You don't want to be that man. Not here, you don't for sure. He said, these men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. God doesn't care for troublemakers, instigators, and those that stir up his people. Uh-oh. <laughs> he getting mighty close to home now, isn't he? He done got in the church with us from the Old Testament. He, he, don't, he, he, he punishes the people who fell for the malarkey, but he's got special stuff for these that started all of it. Because they could have just as easily persuaded the people to do right as they did to do wrong. Think about that. Mm. What's quiet in here? But it's something to think. It's a lot to think about, isn't it? And because and, we are... You know, when I was reading this and studying, I studied this last week, studied it again this week. I'm guilty. 
if we'd been here, we'd probably been the same way. I'm guilty of, of stirring up stuff and murmuring and mumbling and complaining and griping. Man, I hope I remember this scripture the next time I try that. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Huh. And then he, he says again, verse 38, everybody's not, nobody's going in but Joshua and Caleb. Amen. So those were the ones who, who, uh, who he heard, who he knew, believed him, and he, they trusted him. And he said, they're, they will, they're going to live longer than all the rest of you. And they're going in. Matter of fact, Joshua was going to live way longer than that. He was going to lead the children of Israel in. Amen. And Caleb was going to get the mountain. And guess which mountain it was? The one that belonged to the giants. It's the one he took for his own inheritance. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Them giants, they said, we can't destroy Caleb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can, and he does. He does exactly what he said he could do. And he knew who gave him that victory when he gets it. Amen. Any questions or comments about this? Okay, we got time to move on. Let's uh, verses 39 through 45, please. When Moses reported these words to the Israelites, the people were overcome with grief. They got up early in the next morning and went up to the ridge of the hill country, saying, Let's go to the place the Lord promised, for we were wrong. But Moses responded, Why are you going against the Lord's command? It won't succeed. Don't go, because the Lord is not among you, and you will be defeated by your enemies. The Amphilites and the Canaanites are right in front of you, and you will fall by the sword. The Lord won't be with you since you have turned from following him. But they dared to go up to the ridge of the hill country, even though the ark of the Lord's covenant and Moses did not leave the camp. Then the Amphilites and the Canaanites who lived in the, that part of the hill country came down, attacked them, and rooted them as far as from Hormon. Okay. And so now that they've heard the judgment, what do they decide they're going to do? We're going to fix this. Uh -huh. yeah. we, we're going to fix it. But now listen to me. They had some good intentions, but they wasn't doing it God's way. Yeah. Okay? We, we're gonna, we, God's not with us now, we don't think. So they, they, it says the people mourn greatly. They wept because of what he said, not because of what they had done. Now listen to me. There's a difference in repenting because you got caught and because you're genuinely sorry for what you've done. Are you hearing this? It's a difference in repenting because you've been found out. And if you're going to get to hang around, you're going to have to show that you're repentant. God don't accept that kind of repentance. <coughs> because you're doing it for the wrong reason. So they mourn. He said, they said, and then they rose up early in the morning and they went up to the top of the mountain and said, Lo, we're here. We will go into the place which the Lord hath promised or we have sinned. Hmm. Now, since they already know this, what should they have done? They should have left well enough alone and did exactly what the Lord spoke to Moses to tell them to do. They should have turned around and if they listened to me, God loves the repentant person. He listens for repentance. Yeah, he's angry now. Yeah, he has pronounced judgment. Can he change his mind about doing that? But what's going to make him do it? Them, their heart, their change. They got a change. change. Once he sees that change and hears their remorse and hears their repentance and know they mean it because he, he knows their hearts. He don't he can't fool him. He would have forgiven them. Would he have let them in a problem now? I don't know. We'll never know. Because they, that ain't what they did. They didn't want to do it his way. He had sacrifices they could have sacrificed. They could have said, Moses, we, we, we won't be forgiven. We, 
we tell the Lord we won't forget it. Let's sacrifice some animals. Let's let's show him we mean what we say. We we're humbling ourselves. Tell him please don't do this to us. Would he have done it? He may have. They didn't give him a chance. They decided to take matters in their own hands and listen to this and go to the promised land their way. <laughs> Is that still going on today? Yeah. There's a lot of people trying to get to the promised land their way. Not God's way. Their way. Are they going to make it? No. Not their way. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew 22 about a wedding feast. Mm -hmm. And all the people that came to that wedding feast had a garment that they were given to wear that meant they were welcome there. Mm -hmm. And guess who he found? Didn't have he found a fellow that didn't have on a wedding garment. And he asked him, what are you doing here? Wow. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what he said. But you know what he done to me? He had the guards to come get him, drag him out and cast him out where they were weeping and gnashing the teeth. That's a picture of someone trying to get there the wrong way. You're going to get there God's way or you ain't going. You're going to have a garment or you can't get, what's the garment? The Holy Ghost is our garment that we're going to have and you ain't, you ain't even leaving here without that. You know all the people when the rapture takes place and, and Paul says that the dead in Christ will rise first, well, well the Holy Spirit's already taken them. The, the Holy Spirit, the, the, when they die, their spirit has already left their body. They're already with God. Okay, they're in a spiritual body. They're already with God. But he says that, the, that the, those who are alive and remain will also rise. Now, our spirit's not going to do that for us. And that's why the Bible says, how, how quickly is Jesus coming? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So we can't move that fast. But the scripture makes a statement about the Holy Ghost. What is it? That he will quicken us. Yeah, scripture says that. Mm -hmm. why, why would he need to quicken us to make us look like uh, one of them superheroes that can fly like a bullet? Or the flash? Because when, we, when those people who are walking on this earth, when Jesus comes, they're going to leave so quick. You're going to blink them out and they're gone. How? Because the Holy Spirit's going to quicken them when they hear that shout and that trumpet and they're out of here. Without that, you're just going to be grounded. Left behind. Ain't going nowhere. Amen. So we need to understand that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-5 through 5 tells us, I'm not reading all this, that we must be clothed in the spirit and that the spirit is our earnest you hear that word that means that you know what earnest is i want your property i want to buy your property but i don't have the money right now okay give me some earnest money give me five thousand dollars and i'll hold this for so many days the holy spirit is our earnest guarantee that holds us until christ comes back that's pretty, isn't it? That's cool. These people didn't have that. And so they knew they had sinned. They were mourning. They knew they had done wrong. And now they're fixing to do something even worse. They're going to add injury to insult by going when the Lord's telling them, don't go. Mm -hmm. So they don't only disobey God when he says go. They disobey God when he says don't go. Now, how weird is that? They ain't learned nothing yet, okay? They ain't learned nothing yet. So Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? It will not prosper. You ain't going anywhere like this. You're not going to accomplish anything going against the will of God. 
Amen. So he bluntly tells them, verse 42, Go not up, for the Lord is not among you. He left them to themselves. He's angry. He's with Caleb and Joshua. He's with Moses and Aaron. He's with all these under 20 years old, all these little ones. He's with them, but he ain't with this group. Because he's angry with them. Okay? And so, <clears throat> he goes on to tell them, he said, you got the Amalekites, you got the Canaanites, there before you, you shall fall by the sword because you are turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. When you turn your back on the Lord, He ain't with you. He, he, he's listening to you, but He ain't with you. He's waiting on you to do something, and they're not willing to do that. He's waiting on, on repentance. And now, look at this verse 44. But they presumed. That's the word. I don't know what all the other version says. The King James says, they presumed to go up into the hilltop. So they took it on themselves and presumed if they would just go ahead and do what God hadn't told them to do, that he would go ahead and join them in their little fight. Did he? No. <laughs> you better be careful where you presume upon God. The Ark of the Covenant stayed in the camp. Moses stayed in the camp. That's a good indication that he wasn't going with them either. Now, they, they took this scripture right here and later on believed that if they had that ark, God was with them. <laughs> Amen. They, 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 it, they, you know what? The children of Israel still ain't figured all this out. <laughs> Listen to me. Even today, they ain't figured all this out. You know what they're thinking now? If we can just get that temple built, and sacrifice all these red heifers we got stored up. The Shekinah glory of God gonna come back down, and our king gonna show up, and woohoo, we're gonna take over the world. They still thinking that. Amen. They still thinking that. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, were still thinking that after he resurrected. That's why he said you gotta go get some power. And you don't understand some things. When they got the power, they quit saying those dumb things. Now they watch for his return all the way till they die. They watch. They knew he was coming back. He said he was. Amen. Okay. And so he, they presumed upon God. And what happened? Now, mind you, they didn't go where the giants were. If they had redeveloped some new faith, they should have started with the baddest dog in the yard, and once they whipped that bad dog, the rest of them had to run off. They didn't go there. So they weren't that big in their faith yet, even their false faith. So they, they uh, the, uh, the Amalekites and the Canaanites came out and discomfited them, even unto Hormah. They chased them down and just kept killing them, and kept killing them, and kept killing them, until they finally just quit. Lack of faith is dangerous. Lack of trust is dangerous. Presuming on God will get you killed in the wilderness. Amen. Any questions about this? This is some gory stuff in Old Testament, isn't it? It's some gory stuff. But it's it, the, the conditions of these people's hearts are still very similar to people's hearts today. That hadn't changed. They went ahead of God. Yeah. <clears throat> well, they basically decided we don't need God. We can go do this now. Anyway, whatever. It's, it's never a good thing. Okay, we're going to go ahead and start in chapter 15. And we're not going to read the first uh, 12 verses because I want, I want you to pay attention to verse 2. He said, Speaking to the children of Israel and saying to them, 
when you become into the land of your inhabitants, which I give unto you. So he's not talking to the generation that's going to die in the wilderness. Y'all understand that? Because he's talking, he's wanting Moses to teach the ones that are going into the land. And it's going to happen 40 years later. And he starts telling them about the sacrifices. He tells them again. That's why we're not reading this. We've already studied in depth the sacrifices and what these sacrifices are. But he wants Moses to teach these, these, these young people, these little ones, everybody from 20 years old and down, he wants to make sure they continue to know these things. And he has, Moses has already wrote all of this stuff down. Why do you think God made Moses write all this stuff down? So we can get it right. That and we can study it. And also Moses wasn't going to go with them either. He wasn't going, he wasn't going over there. This, all this stuff was going to happen when they got over there. He set these young ones down because their parents didn't teach them. Yeah, their, their parents didn't teach them, so he felt compelled to go ahead and teach this generation. You, when the Bible said that the Lord uh, told him to speak into these, these kids or these people, don't you think the Lord gave them extra perception that they could actually understand what was going on? Yeah. The Lord can do that for us, by the way. Listen to me. He can give us extra perception. He can give us understanding. He can give us wisdom. He can give us boldness. He can give us so much if we let him, and he will. If we'll ask him, he'll do that. If we do it for his glory, okay? Do it for his glory, not for our own selves. He will give us whatever we need. Okay, so somebody read for me. We've got about 10 minutes. Somebody read for me verses 13 uh, through 21, please, in chapter 15. All that are born of the country shall do these things after this manner, in offering an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if a stranger sojourn with you, or whosoever be among you in your generations, and will offer an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord, as ye do, so shall he do. One ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation, and also for the stranger that sojourneth with you, an ordinance forever in your generations. As ye are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land, whither I bring you, then it shall be that when ye eat of the bread of the land, ye shall offer up a heave offering unto the Lord. Ye shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for a heave offering. As ye do the heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall ye heave it. Of the first of your dough ye shall give unto the Lord a heave offering in your generations. Okay. Is that, yeah, that's first one one. We're going to start at the back bottom of it because he's telling them when you get there, I want you to give me the first of everything you take that you've got. I want the first of all of it. That's what he's done to them since they left Egypt. He's done that all through. He's already told them he wanted the first of their animals. And remember why he picked the Levites the way he did? He took the Levites as a substitute for the firstborn of their children. Okay, y'all remember us discussing that? So he's talking about the first fruits of their animals, the first fruits of their vegetables, the first fruits of the dough that they get when they make all that first that, that they get. He wants that. He wants them to give it to him. Why? <laughs> because he deserves it. And he asked them that he wants our best and he wants our first. Amen? He wants us to seek him first, put him first. He wants to be first in our lives. But what I really want you to look at in this next few minutes is in verse 15. He, uh, before this, he, he talks to them about uh, the stranger and, uh, and if the stranger wants to come be a part of them, he, he can, but he's got to do things just like they do. Okay? He, he, he don't mind a stranger being there as long as they do everything the way the children of Israel have been taught to do. You want to be a part of my kingdom and my kingdom people, you've got to act like my kingdom people. You see that? All right, now look in verse 15. And, 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 and uh, act again in verse 14. He says, uh, I want to, uh, 
and will offer an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. As you do, so shall he do. So there, there we come again with those words that we have to do. The saying it, knowing it don't mean nothing until you do it. And the same thing with a stranger. Until he does it, don't mean nothing. All right, now look in verse 15. He says, there's only one ordinance, just one. Okay, one ordinance shall be for both you, the congregation, and the stranger. There's only one ordinance for the stranger and the whole congregation. He says again in verse 16, there's only one law. There's only one law for the you and for that stranger. There's only one law. One ordinance and one law. And then he says, there is only one manner. And it's for you and it's for the stranger. So all of this boils down to it's all about one thing. Now when we look in the New Testament, does this carry on into the New Testament? Yes. You better believe it does. This one ordinance, one law, one manner. Let me read it to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 12. Listen to what Paul writes. For as by for as the body is one and have many members, and all members of that one body being many are one body. Amen? So we got one body, for by one spirit are we all baptized into this one body. So we find out that there's one body, there's one member, uh, there's one uh, uh, there's one body and there's one spirit. There's one baptism for us all. Amen? One body, one spirit, and one baptism. Now let me tell you, he ain't talking about water baptism here. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When John the Baptist told Jesus, or, or said about Jesus, there's one coming that's mightier than I. And I'm not even worthy to unlatch your shoes. I baptize you with water. But he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That is the baptism that Jesus spoke about. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not. Now notice there in that scripture, he don't say he that believeth not and is not baptized. You know why? Because Believing in Christ leads to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so that's the reason he didn't include believing when he said if you don't believe. I mean the, the, the baptism if you don't believe. Because when you, are, when you believe in Christ, he baptizes you with the Holy Ghost. He fills you with his spirit. So you believe then you receive from him. And that's what, what he's talking about in the Old Testament. He's preparing these people before they ever enter the promised land to know that it's going to be that way from now on. And it's not only for the Jew, but it's going to be for the stranger also. The Gentile. The Gentile. All the rest of us. He has an all-inclusive salvation if we do it his way. And there ain't no other way. And every bit of it, this one that we have now, all comes through Christ. All of it does. Any questions? All right, y'all keep me straight next week. We'll begin in verse 20. No, not next week. Listen to me. We won't be here next week. Next week's Thanksgiving week. Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, we will not have Wednesday night service. So that will be uh, the, what is the date? 1st of December. Really? Yeah, next Wednesday is December 1st. You're kidding me. Nope. That'll be, it. That'll be December the 1st. Ho, ho, ho. It'll be time to start Christmas stuff. All right, December the 1st, we'll begin in verse, uh, oh, and that'll be, no, that'll still be 2021. Boy, I'm, I, I can't think straight. Uh, in verse 22. Okay. There won't be enough time. We'll be in 2022. Y'all? Amen. Any comments or questions about tonight's uh, teachings? We've learned a lot tonight.
I hope we take it to heart. And the next time we're inclined to complain and gripe and mumble about something, we remember, wait a minute, I don't want to be wandering in the wilderness for no 40 years. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. You know, sometimes it's better just don't say nothing. Amen. Hard, isn't it? Would you stay? Don't forget, we will not have a service next Wednesday night, so y'all kind of get the word out because there's a few that's normally here that's not here tonight. And it'll be, it will be in the bulletin, though. I've already got it uh, put in the bulletin for this week. So remember that. All right. And also, next Sunday, we will not have a Sunday night service because we're going to have dinner on the grounds here. Okay? So y'all come be, be hungry next, next Sunday, this coming Sunday. Be hungry when you get here, and you, we'll let you eat all you can, okay? Because there'll be plenty. Brother Sam, would you dismiss us, please? My father, once again, I do want to thank you for this Bible study that we've had the privilege of being able to hear this evening. The word preached and taught again. I want to just thank you for giving Brother Gary the insight and all these scriptures and helping us to be able to realize what your word says and be able to understand it and grasp it. Lord, we just pray for each and every one of them on the prayer list. You know who they are, what their needs are. And we just ask you to bless and be merciful. Forgive us what we fail you. Be with us in the full separate ways. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.